the triple zeros i'm your host josh blood do me a favor hit that like button that subscribe button that follow button and follow me on twitter josh g buck hit up the facebook page at clocker sports the website is clockersports.com and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com got a lot to get into mostly on the nfl side strangely enough this is the nfl's off season but it's been anything but and of course with everything going on with that rona Nothing's happening in the NBA right now, so we are kind of in a holding pattern. Everything is just uh, wait and see. They are currently talking about restarting sometime in the summer, towards the end of the summer, maybe having the, the season, begin, re, be, bleh, season begin again in July and then having the final sometime in the beginning of August. Now, that in, laid out an interesting timeline because you could see a situation where, let's say the season begins in the in, around June, you have mid-June, the start of the playoffs. In early August, you have the NBA Finals. End of August, you have the NBA Draft. Now, this is from Twitter, mind you. I did not come, with this, come up with this timeline myself. Uh, beginning of September, you have the start of free agency. Middle of September, you start seeing the fall leagues open. And then uh, around December, beginning of December, you have training camps. And then Christmas is when the actual regular season would begin. Now, this is interesting before we finish that last point because most people don't really get into the NBA now. I, let me not say most people. The casual fans aren't getting into the NBA now until Christmas anyway. Starting it there, I'm not sure if it necessarily would uh, would generate the same kind of buzz. I think you might end up seeing ultimately those same that same enthusiasm get pushed back as well because it's kind of like a, a, a chance for fans to see feel the teams out to see who they how they feel about their squad this year by the time they get to the they've already played a few games by the time they get to Christmas as as it currently stands. But if they're going to be doing the full 82-game season from then on, I'm not sure that you're going to get the same kind of buzz. Now, it is Christmas and everybody's home, so that's part of it, too. Can't discount that at all. But I just think that moving it puts it at an odd – it's an odd spot because, like I said, that is generally when a lot of the casual fans who aren't clamoring for it throughout the other rest of the year when, when there aren't any games on, uh, that's when they get their their good sense of who – Again, of how their team is going to be doing this year, how they how they feel about whether how their team's going to do this year. So the other interesting thing about that is, if you notice, that's August, September, really the September part, and December puts it smack dab in football season. Now they overlap just barely, not not, not even just barely. They overlap now, but I think if you put this the beginning of the NBA season. Right when football is getting to the thick of things, I think in the in the thick of the NBA season, you're not going to have any attention towards it because you're going to have a lot of eyes on the NFL and the playoffs and the Super Bowl in February. That's kind of where I think you you might necessarily have a bit of a miss up if they if they continue with this format. Now I'm not sure how you how you really go back if you are not able to begin again until the the middle of the summer, but. I just think that if you if you are starting the regular season on Christmas, you've already pushed back your big chance to gain a lot of the attention, and then you got to contend with the NFL in the playoffs, which we already know the NFL is king. A lot of people want to talk about how dynamic the NBA is, and I am a fan of the NBA. Let me not try to play that down at all, but the NFL is king when it comes to TV ratings. And I think if you are pushing back your chance to get your big viewership, to build up the viewership before that, and then get that big exposure on Christmas Day, and then you got to compete with the NFL and playoffs. It's just not really a good plan for sustained success. 
And the NBA already has a problem with when, when it's not on, you have a lot of fans clamoring for it to be on. However, when it's on, you often see a lot of bad basketball. And that's not what anybody wants to watch. So it's a very interesting dynamic to see between um, between wanting to see these teams get a full season in, see your team compete, but also knowing exactly when to cut. Like I said, for this, for this, obviously, uh, <laughs> very unique situation, I think you shorten the season. Now, if they want to revisit it next season, continuing a full 82, fine. But I think this year, you would you you dang they have to just call it. I'm not sure why they would want to restart it. That's that's the other talks that they would they would try to restart it. I think you kind of have to just call it and then begin the playoffs from where you start where you stand now. Just treat it as a lockout. I don't think you treat it as anything other than that. Now there may have been some teams on the bubble that are a little bit upset about that, but I think for the betterment of anybody, like why would you risk these guys going out there and getting injured for meaningless contests anymore? If they're going to get back on the floor, I think they should be getting back on the floor for all the marbles just because of the fact that they have gone now through this unique situation of such a long layoff. Now, maybe they won a couple of games to get warmed up and that'd be fine. I'm I'm not really upset either way it goes, but I just think that it's kind of an odd choice. Now I'm getting kind of off the, off the path just because it's so many different tracks that this can go down. When you look at everything that's going on with how the, the, the Rona has got everything kind of on hold right now. Especially in the the sports, well, not especially, but in the sports world included. Some other news and notes from this, though: the NBA will not be testing players during the hiatus for drugs. Now, I mean, in th- in theory, it's a it's a nice olive branch. You know, go ahead. We're not going to be strict on you guys during this weird time. That's cool, but that also can get really wild. Like, I'm not sure. See, I'm gonna put it like this. I'm, I don't think that there's many people in professional sports who would smoke, let's say, marijuana, right? Because that's usually what people associate with the with the um, anti-doping policy, or with it with the substance abuse policy. Excuse me, either that or alcohol. Anti-doping policy is, is performance enhancing drugs. But anytime you see somebody say they, anytime you see a player get in trouble for violating the league's substance abuse policy, I assume it's weed. Now, if they're smoke going to smoke weed they probably didn't need the nba to tell them hey we're not going to drug test you because guess what they were probably getting past those drug tests anyway just saying now it is a nice little olive branch again extending the the the, the peace pipe but <laughs> peace pipe see what i did there but i think it's more for the for the media and for fans and for for the powers that be in the nba to seem like they're being proactive in this Again, very awkward time. Now, speaking of being proactive, we saw an interesting phenomenon going on across the NBA earlier. And with all the cancellations, the biggest losers in all of this have been the hourly employees at all of the local arenas. Well, players like Kevin Love and Zion Williamson began to volunteer to pay the salaries of those employees while this is all going on. And notably absent from all of this were, of course, the billionaire owners. The one who was first to step up was one Mark Cuban. Not very off-brand for him because he is a, a Maverick, owner of the Mavericks, and a Maverick in the in the business world himself. So it was good to see him step up. But what was better to see was the other owners follow a little suit, such as the owners, the DeVos family of the Orlando Magic. And, of course, the Reinsdorfs will be, uh, in the Wirtz family, the United's pay, taking care of the United Center employees here in Chicago. Those are good things that you need to see and need to have happen. But I just I, I, I can't help but wonder why did it take 
a few days for this to happen. It was more of a readily available solution from the players than it was from the owners who, I mean, put simply make way more money than anybody who could possibly be putting up any dollars from a roster in the NBA. Do better, especially from a league that gets touted very much as being very socially aware Socially socially active and trying to make sure that things are taken care of properly. Be more aware of how that's going to look and maybe be get out in front of it instead of letting your players set the example and then you kind of having to follow suit. Now, granted, not in any of these meetings, any of these boardrooms, they could have been talking about doing this. And because of the fact that it's an individual and the player as opposed to a business entity, it's a lot quicker process. Could totally be the case. But... As we know, we are in an optics-driven society, and that is just not a good look when you have, especially a rookie in Zion Williamson. Now, granted, he's the first overall pick, so it's not like he's just any rookie, right? He's not giving you um, second-round pick game checks out of this. He's giving you probably some endorsement money. But the fact of the matter is it's a player and it's a rookie, a first-year guy coming out here and, and showing a uh, extreme act of selflessness. And I think that in this era where you see a lot of these billionaire owners viewed as kind of standoffish or or maybe living in their own bubble when you see some of the behaviors that they have i think this would have been a good way for them to kind of show that their human side and connect with their fan bases especially again this is this is a, a weird time for a lot of people for a lot of people especially those hourly employees whose whole business whose whole income is driven by the entertainment being put on the floor now I am, again, happy to see that the owners came around. I just thought that that was a, a very interesting dynamic to see unfold as in real time because, again, it was a veteran player in Kevin Love that I first saw. I'm not sure if any, who came before him, if that if anyone did, but I saw him and then I saw Zion and then a couple of other guys were chipping in as well. Um, just glad to see that it, it does come around and, and the better part of people came out towards the end of it all. And some on-the-court news, back to some on-the-court news, it's possible, should the NBA follow that that timeline laid out earlier where the NBA season, the regular season would end in around mid-June, it's possible that if the NBA picks up this year to end in around mid-June and end their finals, that's, this is, that's what that schedule is based off of. The NBA was to pick back up now and end their finals in August this year. If they were to do so, you could potentially see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving Take the floor for the New York, for the Brooklyn for the New York Nets for the Brooklyn Nets this season. Now I don't know how you'd want to qualify, but I mean that'd be kind of cool to see them have gone from not even a thought of playing this year to potentially going on the floor and taking the floor for the Nets as the seventh seed in the very very weekend East. We know how beat up they are with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in the 76ers. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks are the front runner. They are the first seed, the t- one seed right now, but they are very vincible. We've seen Giannis get shut down. I don't want to say easily, but we've seen it done and we've seen it be repeatable. And I think that if you are a team like Brooklyn with a guy like uh, DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen, two very mobile bigs or guys who can protect the paint and yeah, yeah, I'm not sure he's very laterally quick anymore, but Jared Allen is and very active. And then you got a couple of other bodies you could throw at him too. Don't let them come out. I mean, I'm not a fan of what they did with my boy, Kenny Atkinson, but I'm a fan of what they do, what they did getting Durant and Irving. So if they are possibly able to get the two of them on the floor for any type of postseason run this season, that'd be incredible. That'd be absolutely incredible. And I'd be all for one forward again. Not necessarily positive or not necessarily a fan of what they were doing with the coaching staff, but 
maybe this is what they were doing it for. Who knows? Long term, they thought that they were going to. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just know that if they are able to get back on the floor for this for the 2020 season, watch out because the East is ripe for the picking. Every every if you say that you have a favorite, you can have a favorite, but I'm not sure that they are a runaway. Um, Milwaukee looks like head and shoulders a favorite, but in the playoffs, again, the game slows down. There's not a lot of running, and there's not going to be a lot of space for that team. And while Giannis has, has hit the mid-range more and hit more of his threes over the past few years, he still has tendency to struggle at the free throw line. He can still be uh, kind of handcuffed with another mobile active big. And if you are, a again, Brooklyn, you can throw – at least a guy and a half at him to slow him down. And then you are coming at him with two certified buckets in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So I don't think that it makes any sense to discount the possibility of should the NBA return this season, which is not completely a sure thing as of this point, but if they are to, if they were to return, don't write out the Brooklyn Nets as possible representatives of the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. I know, I know, it's wild, <laughs> but it totally could be the case. That's just, it's it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Craziest thing I've ever seen. When I saw that news break, I was like, oh my God, that'd be great. I've been, I've been, like I said, I've been a fan of what the Nets were doing since prior to this move with Kyrie. I was a fan of what they were building with D'Lo and Spencer Dinwiddie and those guys, which is part of why uh, last episode, maybe the episode before, I've been harping for the Bulls to try to go and get Kenny Atkinson to be the head coach, which... Who knows if that's going to happen because rumor has it that the Bulls have made it known that they would like the new GM to give Jim Boylan a chance. I don't even know why. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what they think a new GM is going to do with Jim Boylan. See, here's the thing. If you were bringing in a new GM, but you want him to keep Jim Boylan, that means you think and you being John Paxson did a bad job because, as we know, Gar Foreman was basically a GM in, de- in name only. He was a glorified scout. Paxson was making the decisions. But if you're bringing in a GM and you want him to keep the coach, that means you clearly think that it's a problem with the groceries and not the cook, not the chef. I think it might be both, but I think it's an interesting angle to take because of the fact that that means that it's you, because you, Paxson, because Paxson is the one who selected these players who's made the moves for this team since 2000 and. Uh, three. I, I, it's just, it's again, can't say for certain that's what it's saying, but it's definitely uh, the the angle that I kind of took or the, the viewpoint that I took on it when I saw that they were looking for a, a GM who would give uh, Jim Poyland a, a, another chance. There's no reason to do so. His record is well behind his predecessors and I don't think that there's any chance that the Bulls make any sort of real progress with him at the helm. He just doesn't seem like the coach is going to be able to do that for them and I mean, hopefully I'm wrong, but I think I'm going to have to write about that for Pippin Ain't Easy. Check out the blog, Pippin Ain't Easy. Uh, that might be my next piece on them, Is aside from them having the seventh pick, because that, that was my the one that I was working on prior to the whole shutdown happening. I think I'm going to have to write about how that right there encap- encapsulates why this team will be for, for stuck in basketball hell for the foreseeable future. They just can't, can't get out of their own way organizationally, so... Something to keep an eye on with them in the NBA. We'll see when the NBA is finally able to make its way back into our lives because I know I'm not the only one who needs it oh so desperately. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, we're going to switch gears and talk about the the NFL because the NFL had quite the day today as the legal tampering period began. So, right there, you have that. 
triple zeros and switching gears to the NFL. Again, I am Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. The Facebook page is at Clocker Sports and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. The website is clockersports.com. Switching to the NFL and free agency frenzy. Man, legal tampering period began today, and let me tell you, it was a flurry of moves. Going to go over not every single one, but some of the highlights. One of the, the the biggest one, in my opinion, was the blockbuster trade from the Houston Texans and the between the Houston Texans and the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals sent David Johnson and uh, second round pick to the Houston Texans for DeAndre Hopkins and a fourth round pick. Now. One of these teams made out like a bandit, and the other team was the Houston Texans. I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not sure what Bill O'Brien is doing, but I know he's not doing it well. If you recall, they decided the Houston Texans decided not to hire a general manager and let Bill O'Brien operate as both the head coach and general manager, like his mentor in uh, New England, Bill Belichick. What they failed to realize down in Houston is that it's Bill O'Brien, not Bill O'Belichick, because my man is not really doing that great of a job. Now, listen, I, I'm i not going to sit here and act like I was ever really that big on David Johnson, even when he was having his good breakout seasons a couple of years ago. But you traded a, a stud receiver, an all-everything receiver, the best receiver in the game, in my opinion, for a broken-down running back. And part of the belief is that, part of the reasoning is believed to be that a new contract was supposed to be on the way, even though he's got three years left on the deal. Like he's outperformed whatever money they're paying him. It ain't enough. I guarantee you that. Whatever it is, I have to check in the, 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 the actual numbers on DeAndre Hopkins' current contract. But it ain't enough. But he still had three years left on that deal. So I, I, I'm i not sure that they were going to have to worry about disruptions anytime soon. The other thing that came out, rumor floated out, is that he and Bill O'Brien did not necessarily get along. Now, Bill O'Brien has a history of clashing with his star-type players, that's irrelevant because each situation is unique. But in this situation, if it's Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins, they made the wrong choice down in Houston. We've seen Bill O'Brien make questionable decisions with this roster and seemingly tear it apart right from underneath the, the foundation that it was built. He tried to, in his move to solidify himself, the line traded away first round picks to get Laramie Tunson from the, uh, Miami Dolphins, and in trading away the best receiver in the game, he got a fourth-round pick. <sighs> Listen, this is not a, the greatest day for here in Chicago, and I'll explain that a little bit later, but that had to be the wildest trade, the most lopsided deal ever. No disrespect to what David Johnson once did, but he's a running back on a bloated contract in an offense that is really that really uses the running backs very one-dimensionally and not the dimension that David Johnson was very good at. Now he's a good runner, but I mean he was he was a great receiving threat out of the backfield and really used up all over the offense. They don't really do that in Houston. And DeAndre Hop, Deshaun Watson definitely doesn't throw to his running backs that much. Not enough to take advantage of of a healthy, which is a big assumption, Johnson's skills. Arizona obviously didn't need. Johnson service anymore. They flex, uh, transition tagged Kenyon Drake, who was stolen from Miami Dolphins last year. Listen, I wrote for Clocker Sports about how Kyler Murray is going to be the MVP next year, and that was before this trade. But now, with Larry Fitzgerald in tow, you got Nuke over there. You still got Christian Kirk. You still got Damier Bird, Bird and Andy Isabella, some young guys coming up. They can find a tight end and some blocking. 
watch out because they're about to throw that thing all over the yard. And I, I again, I wrote Kyler be the MVP, and I was before seeing this, and I'm just doubling down. Uh, it's to the point now where I'm feeling like that might not have been a bold enough take because I'm not sure you see anybody who can step up and stop him right now. I mean, I'm sure that, that'll change between now and the the actual beginning of the season. But as of right now, I'm feeling pretty good about that that prediction this far out. A couple of other interesting notes. The Atlanta Falcons traded a second-round pick for Hayden Hurst. That's because they lost Austin Hooper to the Cleveland Browns, who at least are co-winners of the offseason so far. They went out and got, again, as I mentioned, Hooper from the Falcons. They signed offensive tackle Jack Conklin from the Tennessee Titans. They made sure they are trying to keep Kareem Hunt around, and they brought in Case Kim, an interesting pickup because he's an older journeyman quarterback and is not being brought in to start. They do have Baker Mayfield there, but... We know Case Keenum can start and win you some games in this league. Now, I was staunchly against him coming to Chicago, but I think in this situation it's interesting because he's kind of like a poor man's Baker Mayfield in that he's he's not the biggest guy. Baker's, I think, got a, a much better arm. But they both have that kind of it factor, that that rally the troops kind of factor where, where guys just want to play for him. And I think if they... And he's, he's probably got a lot, a little bit more I, a higher IQ than Baker at this point. I mean, just because he's been around for so long. So I could see that being a point where, where if the Browns feel like Baker's not doing well, they may not pull him forever, but they could definitely sit him down for a game or two to let him learn and watch Case Keenum take over the reins as we do something like we saw in Minnesota where he got them to the playoffs because lightning in the bottle. He just kind of gelled with that group and things took off. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys re-signed Amari Cooper five years, $100 million. They re-signed tight end. Blake Jarwin. But back to Mark Cooper. Let me not double off on that real quick. He got $60 million guaranteed, Cooper did. Now, it was speculated that he was going to go to the Redskins, and it's rumored, reported they had offered him significantly more money, but he wanted to remain in Dallas. That is great news for Dallas because they had to put the tag on Dak Prescott, and that's going to get sticky down the road no matter how you slice it. But I, rumor has it they are reworking the deals of Ezekiel Elliott to try to get some more money they got to lock up Dak long-term. If not, and he hits the market at some point in time, which will never happen. Let me be clear about that. Dak's not going anywhere. But <laughs> if he were to, I think he got to, man, lock him up, Dallas. Lock him up because I tell you what, I'm going to get him myself. The Texans didn't stop there, though. Um, bouncing back to Houston real quick. A former Dallas Cowboy, Randall Cobb, signed a three-year deal with Houston. Listen. Dallas is probably happier to see him go than Dallas, than Houston fans are to see him arise. However, good for Cobb getting to stay down in Texas. Uh, a few, I mean, he's not it's not close necessarily, but he's definitely not making the big trip. And then jumping, I'm I'm jumping all around just so you know. We're just kind of looking at some of the the major deals here. Uh, Randall Cobb, former division of the Green Bay Packers, signed linebacker Christian Kirksey. He's missed a lot of time over the past few couple of years, but. He's when he's healthy and right, he's a difference maker at the middle linebacker spot. And they got him with a two year, $16 million deal. Not bad. Um, a little high for a guy with his injury history, but still a very productive player when on the field. And they also got off to tackle Rick Wagner. As we know, they're letting Brian Balaga go, playing a little bit of the uh, compensatory pick game, as we see a lot of teams doing this offseason. Um, linebacker Jamie Collins joins the Detroit Lions from the Patriots. Matt Patricia's out here. Matt Patricia, Bill O'Brien. Same thing. Same exact thing. They are smarter than you. And they 
seem to try to make it about them and what they their system rather than getting good players and putting those players in the best position to succeed for them. It's a it's a system that we've seen fail time and time again, and it's really I'm surprised that O'Brien has lasted this long, and um, Patricia too. Honestly, I thought he'd be gone after this offseason. The other, another blockbuster deal that happened today or on the opening day of free agency frenzy, free agency legal tampering period in the NFL. DeForest Buckner, defensive tackle, defense, DeForest Buckner of the formerly of the San Francisco 49ers was traded for a first round pick number 13 overall to be specific to the Indianapolis Colts, giving them a big man up the middle. Indianapolis has been getting by with a lot of older retread undersized guys in that position for a while. Now they get a legitimate defensive tackle and they were already a really good run defense. Top 10 in top 15, top 12 in yardage allowed they gave up fewer rushing touchdowns than the 49ers did and fewer yards per carry than the 49ers did last season. So this is the a strong unit getting even stronger. And they gave him a whopping $21 million per season, $21 million per season extension. So he better be worth it. But he's a massive human and they needed it. I mean, they needed it. They also got lineman, uh, offensive lineman Anthony Costanzo to agree to a two-year $33 million contract extension. It had been tossed around that he might possibly retire this offseason, but he decides to stick around. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars tag Yannick Ngakwe. Chris Jones from the Kansas City Chiefs received the tag. The Chiefs also traded Kendall Fuller to the Washington Redskins. That's an interesting deal because he was there before and decided to go back. It's kind of weird to, to see that uh, a guy go back to the Redskins because it's almost like, you know, freedom when you get out. But it's a new culture with Ron Rivera, who I'm a, a big fan of. Hopefully they give Dwayne Haskins a chance down there or out there in Washington because he didn't really get one with the with the previous regime. That's neither here nor there. No no reason to uh, delve back into that. And a little bit of former Bear news. Linebacker Nick Wachowski signed with the Las Vegas Raiders for a three-year, $21 million contract. He got $13.5 million guaranteed. That deal is kind of similar, very similar to the one that uh, Danny Trevathan got. And in fact, Danny Trevathan re-signed with the Bears for slightly more, 21.75 base with twenty-four uh, maximum of $24 million and $14 million in guarantee. So about $500,000 more. That's probably for service time and production. I, after seeing the Kwiatkowski deal, so it's, uh, here's, the, here's the thing. There's two things about it. Kwiatkowski's deal, first of all, if they could have gotten him for that money, I would assume that they would have. And it does make the, the Trevathan deal look bad. Now, he's only making Trevathan three and four million dollar cap hits for the next couple of years and then the last there's actually a six-year deal but the final three years are all just fluff and can be voided out no matter what now the problem is no matter how good Kwiatkowski's deal is we already know that if a player is going to sign for less money than he thinks he's worth he's going to do it elsewhere to prove himself he's not going to come back to the team that he was playing for because he feels like he was being slighted that's just the rule of thumb Long been that way, so it didn't really surprise me to see that he got the deal that he got. He is, Krakowski is a limited two-down, probably linebacker at, at in, in the best scenario. Now, he can go out there and do a little bit of everything role, but that's not his strong suit. And I think the Bears, especially if, if they finish this move and get ha-ha, like it seems like they're, they're leaning to, which is another two-fold thing. But I think they're, they're trying to build a defense that's kind of... Uh, ambidextrous in that it doesn't matter what side you're trying to attack you're going to get a little bit of the same thing that could be both a good thing and a bad thing but i think that's what they're trying to go for um 
a couple of other big moves. Miami is another big winner in the offseason so far. They have signed offensive guard. Well, he was guard last year. They, I believe he's going to play guard again. I would hope they don't try to move him back to tackle. Eric Flowers from the Washington Redskins will go to Miami. Three-year, $30 million deal with 19 almost $20 million guarantee. They also signed cornerback Byron Jones, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys, $17 million per. But that gives them two lockdown corners, two big, long cornerbacks in Byron Jones and in Xavier Howard on the other side. And then they also got a couple of pass rushers in uh, Shaq Lawson of the Buffalo Bills, three-year, $30 million deal. Kyle Van Noy of the Patriots, four-year, $51 million deal with $30 million guaranteed. Van Noy got paid. And that, I wouldn't be more concerned about Van Noy's deal than Lawson's. You know what Lawson's goal is. And honestly, he's only going to be really as good as the guy who's on the other side of him because you need some someone to take some of that pressure off you, some of that attention away from you. Van Noy, though, was a bust in Detroit and didn't thrive until he got to New England. Now, you could say he he was a typical reclamation project by New England, or you could argue that, I mean, it's Detroit. So maybe, you know, hey, <laughs> but that one would probably be the one that's a little bit like, ooh, that's that's risky. They're taking a big risk. Now, it's Flo- Brian Flores, former New England coach, so he knows these guys. He knows Van Noy, that is. I just, oof, oof. That's a risky deal. That's a very risky. $30 million guaranteed for in four years for a guy who didn't break out outside of that until he got into that, that Patriot system that we know can make I don't want to say average players, but make guys look like stars that aren't stars. Minnesota Vikings are out here making moves. They are out here weakening themselves. They re-signed Kirk Cousins and gave him, I think, another $66 million over the next two years. But they had to cut Xavier Rose, which actually might be an addition by subtraction because he hasn't been in the same corner in a couple of seasons. They also got rid of Linval Joseph. They put the franchise tag on Anthony Harris, their safety. But... In a major blockbuster, they traded Stephon Diggs to the Buffalo Bills. They did recoup a first-round pick, a fifth-round pick, a sixth-round pick, and a fourth-round pick in next year's draft. But, man, Stephon Diggs, listen, there's a lot of people who will tell you that Diggs benefited a lot from having Adam Thielen to take a lot of the attention away underneath the and he was getting single-high safety coverage and all that kind of stuff. But I am on the opposite end of that spectrum and say Adam Thielen benefited an awful lot from Stephon Diggs taking the top off of defenses and him giving Thielen a lot of room to roam underneath coverage like that. So, I mean, I guess we'll find out. Thielen is probably with a better quarterback now, though, in Kirk Cousins. Um, Josh Allen, while I did become a fan later on in the year last year, he's just not ready to be that kind of guy. And that offense is going to be a lot of him running, Devin Singletary running, and it's just going to be a downgrade for everything about uh, Stephon Diggs' production. However, I do think he will get the attention of being a number one. So, Good luck with that. Um, a couple of other interesting uh, big notes. Nothing really major coming along the lines with the quarterbacks yet. We're still waiting to hear about Tom Brady where he's landing. Rumor has it that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the front runner for him. Don't count out the Raiders, though. The Chargers have also been rumored to be the front runner for him, so who knows. Phillip Rivers has been linked to the Colts. Haven't heard any chatter elsewhere. So I would imagine that if he's going to go somewhere, that's where it's going to be. I thought he would end up somewhere down in Florida himself, but we'll see about that. Um, more the Dolphins and the Bucks, though, because I thought the Bucks would go after Brady. Now, I did see a Rivers to the Bucks situation, but I thought Brady would be 
that's when I thought the Brady would be to the Rays. When that got taken out, then I said, okay, we'll probably move on from that. And then that was when they started really associating Rivers with Indianapolis, and I can see that too because uh, they need they need a win-now guy, and he's a win-now guy. I don't think his style fits them, but, you know, whatever. Um, But I think that when you when you look at what's going on with the with the diamonds of the quarterback, the one thing that stood out early, especially here in Chicago, was the chat about Teddy Bridgewater. Out of nowhere, there were rumors being thrown around that Bridgewater would be signing a deal, and he was in talks with the Chicago Bears on a contract that would make him the starter there. And by the end of the night, it was Bear fans cussing out their Twitter machines because the Bears had signed tight end Jimmy Graham. That's right, 33-year-old, soon to be 34-year-old, 34 by the time the season starts, year old Jimmy Graham to a two-year, $16 million deal with $9 million guaranteed. Now, that's a significant amount of change, not necessarily because of the money itself in a vacuum, but because of their cap situation. They don't have a lot of money to toss around. So giving it to a guy in Graham who, granted, his production last year topped all the Bears' tight ends combined, that's cool. You don't have a guy who can give him the ball consistently, and he's not a really a, a, a threat between the 20s, and you kind of need that. Now, part of this is that they're banking on a return to prominence from Trey Burton. But Trey Burton was miscast as it was. Now, So now you have two guys injury prone, but two guys who are receivers and no blocking tight end. Now, we know the Bears like to rotate in a, a blocking tight end, but when you do that, you signal to the defense what you're running. And part of the Bears' problem last year was being too predictable situationally. This will not help that unless they're just not going to run the, running, the blocking tight end out there and they're going to count on Graham and... Trey Burton to disrupt whatever uh, run blitz is going on. I'm not sure how this is all supposed to work out, but I just think that it's it's with limited resources and and needing so many other things, they could have saved this money. They could have possibly they should have put it towards the quarterback, but they didn't. But I don't think you have to rush out and get a guy like Jimmy Graham, and I don't think you have to pay him nine million guaranteed. He's th- he's going to be 34. I- it's, it wasn't a great deal, and again, it started off as a great, uh, potentially great day with the talks of Teddy Bridgewater coming, and then it pivoted to Andy Dalton. I was like, oh no, and then it pivoted to Nick Foles, and I was like, ah, that's better than Dalton. Then it pivoted to Derek Carter. I'm like, hey, that's better than both of them, and now we're back to Dalton and Foles, and I forgot all about Bridgewater. It's just bad, and you factor in that the the Kwiatkowski news came down with Trevathan. While Trevathan's contract is still team friendly, that Kwiatkowski news has to hurt if you don't factor in the, the the point about guys being willing to take less from other teams. But this, the Jimmy Grant thing, was like a slap in the face, and it almost is to the point. Before I move on to any other teams, I just have to say it's almost to the point where it feels like, depending on what they do at quarterback, but this could be a lame duck season for this regime. Don't be surprised if you don't see them do anything but basically stay status quo, kind of like what you saw the Bulls do, where they're going to it this year, trying it one more time, give it the old college try with this group of guys that they put together. And if it don't work, we could be looking at a teardown going into the 2021 season. Quite the fall after being 12 and 4 a year ago and looking like you were bound for the Super Bowl, at least for a championship game, a conference championship berth. And being done undone by your who a kicker who'd been clumsy all year. Wild times. Wild times. Real quick, gonna go around the rest of the league. Uh, San Francisco 49ers re-signed defensive lineman Eric Armstead to a five-year $85 million contract that has 48 million guaranteed. 
Uh, Bud Dupree, the Pittsburgh Steelers, got the franchise tag. Javon Hargrave, nose tackle, agreed to a three-year, $39 million deal with $26 million fully guaranteed with the Philadelphia Eagles. That puts him and Fletcher Cox on the same defensive line, and that's officially cheating. That's a Madden deal that you just – I don't know how they allow that to happen. Man, that's a nasty defensive front, though. If if Cox can maintain – can stay healthy – Look out, because those two together are going to be wrecking the interior offensive lines for quite some time. Quarterbacks hate pressure in their lap. That's all you're going to get facing the Eagles, and that's good Good on Howie Long to keep that what's strong about his team stronger and keep doing what he's got to do. Greg Olson signed a one-year deal, $7 million, with the Seattle Seahawks. Jacob Hollister signed or received a second-round tender from the Seahawks, so now they got a pair of pass catchers. And honestly, I see a little bit of Olsen and Hollister. Hollister was brought in to be more of a blocker, but he's been doing his thing as a pass. He did his thing as a pass catcher when he was healthy too. They also Seattle resigned Jaron Reed to a two-year, twenty-three million dollar contract. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers placed a franchise tag on Shaq Barrett. They also resigned Jason Pierre-Paul to a two-year, twenty-seven million dollar deal. And then Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee made one of the most head scratching moves ever and it kind of shows a disparity and and honestly a, a bias at this point in positions in the NFL they gave Ryan Tannehill a four year 118 million dollar contract that includes 62 million dollars fully guaranteed and then they franchise tag Derrick Henry now in a vacuum Derrick Henry's franchise tag makes perfect sense you don't pay running backs big money you get them for what you can maybe even try to move them mm-hmm but you don't give him a long, you don't give him big money, period. You might give him a longer term deal, but they're not giving big money. What what Dallas did with Ezekiel Elliott is, and what New York is going to do with Saquon Barkley, that's unique. That's not going to happen in most situations, and I don't think that you can base future decisions off of those because, again, they're, they're uh, outliers in this. But to give Ryan Tannehill the four-year, $118 million, $62 million fully guaranteed, that's up there with some Kirk Cousins level ridiculousness. Now it was a different situation. Obviously, Kirk got his after earning his a contract just an exorbitant amount. But Tannehill played half a season as a starter, rode Derrick Henry's legs as Derrick Henry was breaking records, and then got in the playoffs and was MIA. See what I did there with Tannehill because he came from the Dolphins. You see that? That's that's over your head. Anyway, I digress. It's not. A good look. It shows a disparity. It shows that Tennessee is bread in their butter. There's butter in their bread in their butter. Tennessee is buttering their bread on the wrong side. If you ask me, and not no one did, but I'm giving you the, the straight up and down. That's not a good look. And a lot of players, including Tyron Matthew of the Kansas City Chiefs, spoke out about how it just seems kind of bass ackwards that they would pay Ryan Tannehill for half a season to be the butler to the Derrick Henry show. He was the caddy. Derrick Henry was Happy Gilmore. I'm not sure exactly why. The Titans felt. Now, I know the nature of the beast is you pay a quarterback, and that money will ultimately not be that much after everybody else gets these new deals. But if I'm Derrick Henry, I probably feel some type of way. And if I'm in that locker room, I probably feel some type of way because Tannehill, I'm not sure he earned that kind of a contract. He definitely didn't earn that kind of security. Four years, he definitely didn't earn that kind of security. That's, that's just, that's just, yeah, that's, that's ugly. That's an ugly situation. Now, Doubling back to the Bears before I wrap this up, I wanted to talk about how the speculation and how everything seems like we're kind of driving to a lame duck season for this entire regime. It's kind of like with the Bulls, and they're running it back. But 
What's interesting here is with with the Bears, almost like you have to watch, listen for or watch for the opposite of what they say. Pace at the press conference the closing the season said that they weren't sure about any personnel moves, and soon thereafter, they moved to uh, revamp the coaching staff. He also voiced his support for Mitchell Trubisky, but all this early period, we've seen them be linked to multiple quarterbacks. So I think what we're seeing is that when he says something, if he goes about makes a, making a point to say it, there's a good chance that he doesn't mean it <laughs> or that the opposite's going to happen. So we probably should bank on that. And I think that if we're doing so, I wouldn't quite count out Teddy Bridgewater yet. Now I know they've got reports from everybody saying that it's not happening now after the, the one guy was saying it wasn't and it blew up. I'm not going to get my hopes up, but I am going to hold out hope that they don't make a move for Andy Dalton or for Nick Foles. If you give up compensation for Andy Dalton, you're fooling yourself into thinking that that's a smart move and you're setting the organization back. If you give up anything for Nick Foles and they didn't eat any of the contract in Jacksonville Jaguars, you are doing the same thing. Now, it's possible that he Pace is not allowed to make these moves. And I'm, I know I bounced back to the bit, but I had to close on this one because this one was a, a really, really frustrating day from going. It's almost like the stock market. You came up into that high of we're, they're going to sign Teddy Bridgewater. Crashing back down to earth when they realized, oh, they're just going to get Jimmy Graham for day one. Now, it's only day one, and everybody's waiting to see what Tom Brady and everybody does. Um, Marcus Mariota's off the list because he went to backup Derek Carr. We'll see if that means Derek Carr is available or if that just means that Mariota is the backup and they're hoping that he potentially could uh, Ryan Tannehill Derek Carr there. Who knows? Fact of the matter is the Bears are looking like it's either a lame duck season or Ryan uh, Pace is going to get fired anyway because it's just not going to work out. Now, it's so early that I hate to be casting that kind of judgment so soon, but I think it's a, a fair one given the draft history that he has and what we've seen from other teams and the rebuilds and the situation that the Bears are in now, uh, considering where they were just a couple of short seasons ago. I don't think you can out you can out uh, you can overstate how significant they've fallen off while the rest of the league has kind of taken off. Now, granted, Vikings are doing everything they can to take steps back, and Detroit's going to Detroit. So it's really the Bears and the Packers, but I like what the Packers did. Again, I think Gutekunst, I predicted him to be the the executive of the year in the division last year. He definitely was, and I think he, he's he got a he's got a strong start uh, this year. He's got a head start on, on everybody else again this year. So we'll see how that all turns out, but the Bears... It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. The, the piece coming out from them on last World Report Football is going to be about how the market for them was a bear one, and that ain't a good thing. So be sure to look out for that one. Last word on pro, um, last word on profootball.com. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Follow me on Facebook at Clock Sports. Hit up the website, clocksports.com. Hit me up on Twitter, Josh e. Buck. Hit up the email address, uh, clockersport at gmail.com. Read the stuff, PippinAin'tEasy.com, Last Word on Pro Football, Clock Sports. Check out everybody on there. You got Tyler, you got Steven, you got Luke, and you got Tony. We're all trying to get a little bit of, little bit, little, 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 little scraps in the sports world as we write about this, these happenings. Hopefully, we'll get to write about some more live active events because as of right now, the NFL is going to be on hiatus too after the, uh, these festivities go on now with the free agency because there's no, there's no, no traveling, no meetings, just phone calls and, and verbal contracts. The draft is going to be postponed. At least there won't be any fan events, but they're going to they're going to have the actual draft take place. 
times are wild right now. <laughs> times are definitely wild right now. So uh, just make sure that uh, you keep checking out the site to, for, for any updates or anything like that. Baseball too. Baseball too. Everything's pushed back. But we're going to keep trying to crank out content because we know that's what we do. That's what we're trying to do. Everybody trying to trying to get their little fix on right now because it's, it's rough. It's rough out there in these streets. But, again, that's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Follow me, Josh Buck. Facebook page, CloudSports, CloudSports.com. Email address, CloudSports at gmail.com. Facebook, websites. That's what I'm for football. and am being easy. And until the very next time, Triple Zeros.